Hey everybody, it's your doc, Jeff Booski, creator and co-founder of Dental Syndicate, where we have cracked the code to gamifying the system to unlocking power, productivity, and profitability, all while building practices and lives that matter. Welcome to Jumpstart with Jeff. Today, we are having part one of our two-part series. Welcome to Jumpstart, part one. Today, I've got a very great friend and good colleague, Dr. Paul Goodman from Dental Nachos. And if you have been living under a rock, maybe you don't know who Paul is, but I'm sure you are very aware of who Paul is. So welcome, Paul. Welcome to uh, Jumpstart with Jeff. And man, I'm just thrilled to be here talking with you this morning. So I appreciate you spending your time with us. I love doing this. I, I think there's some real amazing value that everyone who's creating any content, but especially audio content, you know, I'm a big fan of Gary V where we get to preserve these things. We get to listen to them. Just last night, someone sent me an Instagram message saying, I loved you on this podcast with Joel Meyerson. I did it over six months ago. So I just give you compliment you admire you for taking the time to do this because I think recording these stories, sharing them for dentists and human beings to learn now and in the future is just so important. Absolutely. You know, part of this, I guess when you get a little more seasoned in, in the career I've been doing now for 24 years in dentistry and, you know, it, you do have this sense of being a good steward of, of what you've, you know, had an opportunity to gleam and learn from and yeah. just to be able to give some of that back and, and to possibly shape somebody's uh, future a little bit and allow them to avoid some of the pitfalls then that's a fantastic, you know, scenario that we can give back and that's kind of the way that I look at it in our profession. So, Paul, take us back a little bit before even before Dental Nachos into how did you get involved in dentistry in the first place? Was your family in dentistry? Yeah. What was that like for you? And I know you have also a sibling that's in dentistry, too, correct? Yeah. So okay. growing up in the 90s in New Jersey, uh, you were going to be a dentist, doctor, lawyer, business person. Uh, my dad was a dentist, amazing dad, one of my best friends. We practiced together for 11, 11 years. He unfortunately passed away in 2016, but just an mm-hmm. amazing dad. Did not pressure me into doing anything. He just would say, you know, I like being a dentist. I like being your own boss. My dad was just really a very real person. He didn't wake up every day and say, hooray, another root canal for me. <laughs> very... Uh, broad picture, I think stable outlook and that, you know, I like helping people. I like uh, being my own boss. I like generating enough revenue to provide a nice life for my family, you know? So um, that was, I said, you know, maybe I want to be like George Clooney from ER used to say, Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men. Or my dad. <laughs> I'm thrilled to have chosen that, uh, you know, to kind of, I go back and forth in the timeline here at my, the end of my dad's 41 year career in life, he did say that being a dentist doesn't really change. Having a patient, having challenging teams, he said, but running a dental practice became incredibly complex, harder than he thought mm-hmm. it would be. He looked at my brother and I, my brother, I also get a chance to practice with him, which is, I'm very lucky, but running dental practices became increasingly complex. So he was just such a good person in that he didn't have to say, oh, I had it hard too. He said, you guys have it objectively more difficult than what my partner and I did. Uh, one part of the story, Jeff, is him having a dent. I would never have been a dentist ever if he did not have a dental partner. So most dentists are solo GPs. I saw the value of someone covering you from vacation, talking about cases. Yes. I'm super collaborative. We have 10 dentists working with us right now or seven, actually seven at this time of this recording work is right now. So I really like the idea of working as part of a team. And one of the things I strive to do is to showcase how dentistry can be very lonely, even though, even when you're surrounded by people and when you're a solo dentist, there's a lot of good, but there's also a lot of challenges that we should talk more about. And I think it's great that you're doing that. 
I, luckily for me, all through my career, I've had a chance to practice with partners and I couldn't agree more. And, but here's the thing, just like you said, partnership or in a group practice, you can still, I think dentistry is only profession. And I think that's one of the greatest challenges of a dentist is feeling all alone sometimes because you're just like, see all this stuff on Facebook and on Instagram and everything else. And then you realize, and you're like, man, why can't I figure this out? What is, what is my problem, you know, and, and where, where am I lacking? But in the reality, everybody has stuff in their life. Everybody has shit going on and, and things that they've got to deal with. There is no perfect practice at the end of the day. There is no perfect team, but it's about how do you manage and how do you lead that, you know, and, and how do you lead that for yourself? So when you got into dentistry and I think your dad is very, was very astute for, for telling you, you know, like, yeah, we got out, we got a chance to hang up a shingle and and make our reputation on what we could do and what we could provide. But, you know, really a lot of your dad's generation didn't have to learn how to be a marketer and how to do, have to do all this stuff, you know? And, but as he got to see things become more complex, I just think it's beautiful that he shared that with you and, you know, was able to say and, and look at it from a, from a hindsight point of saying, man, you know, it is a lot different today. And I didn't have to go through or endure those, those types of struggles. My dad so- his partner had, they were very humorous guys. They used to, um, uh, fun loving guys. They used to go when they were younger, they would exercise at lunch. Uh, then when they got older, they would actually go to a local bowling alley and they did an article on them called them the molar rollers. Right. So they had really, <laughs> really great attitude board stuff. And one of their jokes was, I remember this, I was in college, you know, or um, Y2K. I don't remember Y2K. Yes. The computers were shut down. So that his patients used to say to him and his partner, while they were really up to date in their dentistry, they were kind of guys that didn't always embrace the other technology like computers. <laughs> so they said, are you ready for Y2K? They said, we are ready. Because they didn't even have a computer in the <laughs> office. They didn't have a computer. Zero. Like, they had a book. Uh, As a, yeah. would go in and look at my dad's book. He would stop by the office and say, somebody called my you know, left a message on our phone that we can't, they can't come in. So it, it was just a more simplistic time that came with challenges too, but th- you were able to shut things off more back yeah. then. Now, we would not be friends without the power of social media. So that's great. And there's value to that, but the ability to shut off your dental business uh, has become more difficult as time has gone on. Absolutely. And it's funny because um, my mom over 25 years. And I remember those old big, you know, patient books that took up like yeah. the whole counter, you know, for, for scheduling and everything. And yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Plus all the old paper charts and all that. For so, sure. but, uh, but share with us a little bit, kind of give us a, a, a little bit of a glimpse back into just your dental career with how it started and some of the difficulties that you overcome that and then where you're at now currently. And, and sure, what have like, you found like to be your sweet spot? So, I mean, you know, one of the things is, and I, I like that you're asking this question, and we're just very dramatic people. People say on social media, people only share perfection or they should share when things go terrible. How about we just share our everyday annoyances and struggles, right? I got a three-year-old in my house. She's great. She's also crazy. Right now, she's she's literally destroying things of her sister. I don't think she's acting out. When people see her on the street dressed up in her outfit for school, they say, that's the best time of your life. I go, well, you should come inside our home and try to manage this tyrant. <laughs> 
yeah. the same way. I finished Penn Dental School in 2002. My dad did the Air Force after school and his partner did the Army. Uh, many people say, why didn't you just go practice with your dad? Going back to your own hometown and practicing on your gym teacher, there's a lot of stress with that. So my dad said, do that GPR thing. That sounds great. Uh, I have a lot of complaints about my dental school, but one compliment is we did externships at Penn, which would really change my life. So when we were fourth year dental students, I got to spend two weeks at Monmouth Medical Center GPR and Albert Einstein GPR. And I was nice. like, I got to do this. This is too good. Extract teeth, suture, implants. So I did the Albert Einstein one year GPR. And I loved it. I did not love dentistry in dental school. I actually thought of stopping at a certain point. I told my dad, hey, I don't know if this is for me. I was, uh, maybe this isn't a surprise to people who now know me through nachos, but like, I loved writing. I loved sharing thoughts. I had a sociology teacher who said, you know, you should do this with your life. My dad was very supportive and said, whatever you want to do, Paul, if you want to stop, that's cool with me. But remember, you did say you wanted to be your own boss. I'm glad I continued. But what I'm sharing is I struggled through embracing um, dentistry during dental school, but my GPR, I loved, I loved being part of a team. I thought this is the way dentistry should be. We had supportive faculty. So I stayed as a chief resident there. And then as a fellow, so I did three years there. I got to place and wow. restore 150 implants. This was the olden days. This was not 2021. Yeah. There's a lot of fights over implants, right? Cause dentists love to fight about anything, right? Anything, occlusion, occlusion implants, whenever I go to whatever, a, you know whenever I go to an occlusion course, Jeff, I go, I can't even believe I can chew food. My dumb mouth doesn't work right. I must have I can't working. Believe this, I can't believe this all touches. You yeah, know, it's I must have working and non-working interference. So, uh, I think Dental Nachos was born a lot out of that because working as part of a team, managing other residents, working with hospital faculty, I saw the value of collaboration. I saw dental, I saw medical residents go and get their hospital lunch tray like I would, sit around and say, my patient had high blood pressure. What did you do? And, and this and that. So I really saw that the medical model, medical insurance has tremendous problems, but the model of them collaborating as residents was really valuable. They followed around bigger, stronger doctors. They learned how to take feedback. They got to see, oh, hey, maybe the way I'm doing it could be different. So that was transformative for me. So that was my three-year GPR. Then I went and worked with my dad and his partner. I really wanted to work with them and I didn't want to necessarily find another job. So I had to bring in other skills. So I brought in dental implants. Um, I did things that they didn't do. We acquired other practices. I was in entrepreneurial minded. So we acquired a satellite practice. My brother joined us. I was always, my thing is, you know, people remember me, whatever that means. I would like them to remember test, don't guess, right? You know, test something out, don't guess. We, yes. we put in a text message platform. Let's see how it goes. Whenever you bring a new idea to dental offices, I don't know why your people, your family, they're very resistant, right? So, you know, I said, let's text everybody about their appointments. And my team goes, they're going to want to hear my voices, blah, blah. I say, let's try it out. Now, if our text message system goes down, they have a meltdown, they're, right? They're so, losing their mind, right? <laughs> so I'm yeah. always into learning how to make things better, trying things, not trying not to judge myself too much. Hey, you do something that doesn't work. So I really added um, implant placement. We have an in-house, we had an in-house endodontist, in-house periodontist. So I kind of took my dad's two-person dental practice, built it into two locations with the help of my dad and my brother to represent in my way, Jeff, what I think would be, if more dentists did this, work together, talk together, saw each other face to face, we would have happier dentisting lives. And I try to be a good role model for that and just do it in my own little corner of New Jersey. You know, I take that message and I do my best to share it through Instagram, social media, lecturing. But my message that people were listening to this part was, look to work with other dentists on your team 
the benefits to use outweigh the risk. That treatment plan for your life will decrease your loneliness and I think definitely up your your dental laughter. Absolutely. You know, and and I love it. When we have docs that come through the office and observe and spend time with us, it's it's so much fun. Our team likes it and we love it. But most importantly, they get an opportunity to see something different, somebody different on how they do things right. or how they communicate something or how they approach a procedure and or the team members, how they operate, you know, how they operate cohesively together. And they also get a chance to see that, hey, we've got struggles just like you do. And right. we're a real office and we, you know, we put our pants on one leg at a time too. And we're going to still have these same human problems and For qualities sure. and characteristics that you see and go through every day. And I think there's a tremendous amount of value to that. I also think that I want to go back to one thing that you said is, is that, you know, if dentists operated in a way in which we had much more ability to communicate together, it'd be much more happier in our lives. And I couldn't agree more. And I think that is one of the things that I'm really focused on is looking at building community in which A, it's a safe place and B, it's okay to come in and go, you know what, I'm really, I'm facing these difficulties today and, and to realize that you're not, you're not alone. You know, we've all had those things or, or faced those things. But just like you said, learning the ability to also take and receive feedback, right? Because to me, you know, when, when I hear the word feedback, somebody might say, well, you know, that's criticism. And, and I think it's different because if you have individuals who know where you want to go, whether it be a goal or a target or, or a vision, and they're speaking into that gap from where you are today to where you want to yeah. be, that to me is feedback. And that to me is just really realigning things. Like if I'm off track and somebody says, Hey, you know, calls me out on it. It might not be the most fun feeling for me right at the time, but reality is that person cares enough to say something for sure. That person cares yeah. enough because they know where you want to go to call you out and just say, Hey, is what you're doing or what you're not doing supporting where you want to be. And I, I think that's such great, a great message. And if you know, you're learning to give feedback, always make it about the thing, not the person. Yes. I, I have a great, uh, I, I've invested in a lot of coaching early in my career on non-dental coaches, you know, putting deposits in people's emotional bank account is a real thing, right? Whether you're yeah. a husband, whether you're a son, if you only criticize and you don't compliment and you don't say, hey, this is what you're doing well, recognize behavior is repeated is another one of my Carol Kivler isms. And I just think that, Dental school, unfortunately, and this is very toxic and I make jokes about it, but it's toxic. You know, they create this hunger games mentality where they take these young people and then they make them compete over nonsense. Right. I mean, how many times right. did you have to wax a tooth ever again? It was zero for me. Zero. I was on zero waxing of teeth, but they made that <laughs> weird contest where the most yes. artistic students got the best grades. I struggled tremendously with that stuff. Uh, instead of me being made to feel like a failure or deemed a failure, should have been, here's how you can do better here. They totally don't. I have this little guy here for your listeners. I say, to cry less inside, you have to work on your dental core, your mind skills, your word skills, and your hand skills. And one of the Absolutely. things I did, Jeff, and this is just me sharing, not bragging, but I was one of the best dental students at getting patients to do stuff. My instructors were just blown away because I was a restaurant server. I would literally take out the napkins that I didn't use, the patient bibs I didn't use, and I would draw a four thing. And I'd say, upper right, Mr. Smith, you have a broken tooth and the crown's going to help protect it. And I was one of the few dental students who were good at that. And it, sadly, while my instructor was a great guy and he was a very high level dentist, he saw the value in it. They never test us on that in school. They just tested no. on how to memorize how the kidney works. And you can yeah. just Google that stuff. 
Why were we, I mean, yes. why are we memorizing stuff you can Google? I mean, it makes no sense. Why are they making us memorize some sort of dosage for medication for when you need it, Jeff? You got to go to that big red book. We're old enough for the big red book. And now you just go to your phone and say, how much flexural okay. does this person clenching their teeth need? need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right, man. And I think you hit on a couple of things that I really want to drive home in. And that is the, the deposits, right? The, the daily deposits are such a huge component. You know, that's something that we teach as well, like with your spouse, your loved ones, your yeah. family, or your extended family. You know, be a good steward of your relationships. You know, I got very confronted with it when I had a coach really be confrontational with me. And he said, Jeff, when you think of your family as a bank, do you show up and make deposits or do you show up and make withdrawals? And I was like, hey. shit, that like was just like very like in my face of like, yep, I show up and make withdrawals all the time. And then I have upsets because I had on these all these unmet expectations, like expectations around, you know, uh, intimacy, sex, love with my wife. But if I'm not putting in the deposits right. on the front end, you know, of course I'm going to have it's upsets. Also, because- we, we, we weirdly do this thing. It's such a great point you're making. You know, I talk to older dentists and more than they say, why doesn't this young dentist want to just make as much money as possible, move to the middle of Pennsylvania and get the best job possible? I go, that might be what you you motivate because you had two kids out of dental school and you knew that if you didn't provide for them, you wouldn't be able to feed them. I totally get how that motivates you. But I want to share with you that a 27 year old female who moved here from a different country and is now single has different motivating factors. And her motivating factors might be to create a friend group in Philadelphia, PA and make half of what you made and you just need to have a little empathy and awareness for her you're not right she's not wrong she's not right and, you're not wrong and that can be her way of looking at hey that's success i mean because right. success is really defined it's not necessarily defined by a monetary standpoint i think part of being successful is you know gosh i still get to go pick up our youngest at school like right. after school i can set my hours that way in order to do that and that to me is like it still is golden at this time because I get the chance to do that, you know, and for those of you who don't have kids, it's looking at, okay, how can I invest my time in the people in my life that I love and I honor and I appreciate and that I care about. Yeah, and- I mean, it's the comparison crisis. And I've, it's, I've, I've struggled with this for years um, and you still struggle with it because it's impossible not to be a human being and especially a dentist. I always say, Jeff, that I said this last night and everyone was laughing on this private C course I was giving, but it was just true. I said, dentists need their own special brand of psychologists and psychiatrists that subspecialize in how totally insane we are. And yes. people laugh, but I actually believe that. I believe that, that, that people need to study us because you take high achievers, you make them compete. And the comparison crisis is this. Nobody really thinks about you. How often do you think of other people? But we're constantly doing things. And uh, some of these things are just cliche things like the bigger house, the bigger car. Other things are the body or this. When really at the end of the day, and I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever put it this way before, and it's a poignant way. You know, my dad was alive for 68 years. He was an amazing dad. He left this amazing legacy. But it's not like we all get up and think about him every single day, right? So he lived his life for him and we should live our lives to whatever values us if picking up your kid at three o'clock is more important than being on the board of some things make that important to you you know so yeah absolutely and you know at the end of the day when when that time frame comes and 
we get to depart this world, you know, we, the only thing we really have left is the accumulation of our experiences and our journeys and our adventures that we had in life. I, I love so, that. I also, I also want to say, I, I think it's an Eleanor Roosevelt quote, quote, and I don't know if you've noticed, but running a 36,000 member Facebook group, you have to have quite <laughs> thick skin, right? Because every yeah. day, and also like Gary Vee, you can't get too high or too low because I open up a message and name Paul, you were making dentistry better for all of us. I wish there was someone like you when I was longer. I love you. I go, wow, that, that is great. Next message. Paul, you're babying everybody and making them miserable. So her quote was, <laughs> her quote was no matter what, some people are going to like you. Some people are not. Do what you want anyway, right? I mean, some people are going to agree. Some people are not agree. So I try to take it all with that grain of margarita salt where it's like I get a many messages of saying how great what I'm doing is. And I also get messages saying how they disagree with it and it's not for them. And I try to just put them all into what I think about without getting too emotionally charged up about either one. And I think that's beautiful. I, I, you know, I have a way of looking at it from the perspective and this is the way I also look at approaching my patients, like let people have their own experience, you know? And so there's going to be some people who like me, some people who hate me, some people who believe in what I say, or some people who are like, Nope, that's not for me. And just like you said before, test it. And, and I, I really look at things. I, Paul, I quit asking the question a long time ago, you know, is this true? And because, you know, when you'd, you'd hear somebody lecture and they're like, you can take this to the bank. This is absolute truth. You know, this is, this is like God's word, you know? And, and it was so funny. And I was like, wow, well, there's so many different variables here and so many different people, billions of people on this planet. Maybe I should start to ask the question, is this useful? And that's what I found that I like works it. That's, really that's well for me. I actually want to write that down. I mean, Gary V's helped me so much. I never needed anyone to like me. I'm freaking, I'm a dentist, Jeff, right? So that's that right <laughs> off the bat. People are like, I was a restaurant server. People get mad at you. But I've learned in a way, you know, I'm just used, I'll just pick on myself. I've got this nacho logo. There's people who say, this guy is an egotistical maniac who named his company after an appetizer and he's just ridiculous. And then the next person says, this guy is making a Mr. Rogers neighborhood for dentists that we all needed. And I'm glad to have, you know what? They're both exactly. right in their own. They're both right in their own mind. I'm just doing mind. me in their own That's mind. Exactly. I mean, if they want to have an authentic conversation, I can share why, you know, I don't think of myself as an egotistical maniac and also why it's not all just about kindness and hugging. It's also about being better business people. So maybe yes. both of them, and it's just whatever piece of the message you got. I mean, we all learn this in our most basic psychology classes. If someone sees a car accident outside a fender bender, they're all going to describe it differently. The older 100%. woman was not paying attention. The young kid on the skateboard was on his thing. And there's only one car fender bender will make it, you know, benign. And there's six people watching it looking different. So just don't stress yourself out living inside other people's heads. <laughs> yeah, six different stories there. And that's exactly right. You know, I couldn't agree more. I absolutely couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's funny because when you sit there and you look at that and, and you go back and you say, well, gosh, maybe I should have done this or maybe I should have done that. You know what? I look at it from the perspective of, I have given myself a lot of grace for things in the past where a lot of people, when they're stuck and they beat themselves up. And if I just simply go back and say, you know what? I made the best decision that I could at that time with the information that I had and this knowledge and the skill set that I had available to me, man, that frees up a lot. You know, when, yeah. when you can just sit there and go, you know what? What's the good, you know, like why cry over the spilled milk, right? Yeah. And so as opposed to just looking at saying, you know what? I'm in charge of my future now going forward. 
I get a little crazy. It's funny because my friends, when they, they know not to say it is what it is around me because it just makes me like crazy. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? It is what it is. I'm like, are you the world's biggest victim? Like yeah. if the wind blows to the left, you're going right. to go to the left. If the wind blows to the right, then your ship's going to the right. No, it is what it was. That's one thing. Yes, absolutely recognize that. But you have the opportunity to write your own story every single day. You have the opportunity to be the hero or the zero of your story, whatever you choose. And and that's just absolutely true. uh, It's not to be too new agey, but a lot of these people, you know, I was a fan of this guy, Eckhart, and I still am, but Eckhart Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. And um, I'm blanking on his last name, but the guy who does the Daily Stoic, Ryan Holiday. Uh, Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday. Maybe all of these people with this message, I mean, Eckhart Tolle's like been doing it for 20 years. Ryan Holiday, I know he's not new. Maybe they really know a better way to look at life. I mean, maybe they're really more accurate, right? Maybe all these constructs that we have that we drive ourselves nacho nuts with that are a way we're conditioned. And I promise this is not meant to be new agey. It's more to be, to be like useful. Like absolutely, maybe, maybe you know, the, the, the patient that you think that got mad at you because they didn't like the color of their crown and you totally forget about the 10 patients who said you were awesome, just value all of that, right? You know, dentists are the people, I've happened to me, 300 good reviews, Jeff, Three negative ones. All we want to talk about is those three negative negative ones. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that comes back to letting people have their experience, you know, and when we're the mouth is such a personal place. And when we're in there talking and, and, you know, somebody is is having a very difficult time and they're maybe the tears are starting to come up and flow. Great. I'm just going to hand them a box of Kleenex. I'm not going to say, oh, don't cry. Don't. It's okay. No, I'm going to let them have their experience because. Man, if that is a personal place that they are having such a difficult time with, that emotion is what's also going to drive them to move forward with the care that they actually need and they want and they've been desiring for a long time. I'm really glad you said that. I want to share something from someone who's probably one of the most famous dentists, and he's a fairly polarizing figure, but I I, I don't know him personally, but my friends, his name's Mike Appa, Dr. Mike Appa. He's the premier uh, dentist. Yes. Now, he is a whole industry unto himself, but he puts a lot of Instagram thing up. Please look at his most recent one. So he basically is doing these life smile transformations. And we think as dentists, everyone gets up and hugs him. And he says, no, these are such emotionally changing things in their lives. They're looking at saying, is this the smile I want forever after they've invested $50,000? So he said, don't expect your patients to get up and hug you all the time. And I had to learn this the hard way. And it was such, it was an amazing Instagram post. Every dental student should read it. You know, yes. I don't know him personally. Some of my friends do. Uh, I only know him from reading it, but it was just so valuable because what you said was these emotional triggers that happen to our patients, we want to take responsibility for them. For all we know, they're, they're remembering that their parents never took them to the dentist. For all we know, they're remembering a boyfriend or girlfriend who said their teeth are ugly. For all we yes. know, they're remembering that their, their, their teeth fell out of their mouth at their grandchild's dance recital, right? So you know, we need to distance ourselves or detach, really detach is a better word, but still be present. I mean, I know this sounds new agey, but detach so that we don't, we can't carry around this emotional energy from our patients. We see 15 of them a day. Yeah, it takes a lot and it takes a lot out of you or can add to you. So I think you're right. If you just have the ability, I kind of think of it like, man, I'm just going to hold up the mirror for the individual and just reflect back to them and then give them an opportunity to move forward with something that they want. You know, it's not necessarily about what it is that I want. Of course, I'm going to make my professional recommendations and everything. And I look at it as a co-creative process. 
And if we're not co-creating something, then the likelihood of you moving forward with it is is very slim. And, you know, back to the dental part of this, and I really believe in this, you know, we ask people what their chief complaint is, which I think is very negative. I go in and say, I really say this, what could I do to make you a little bit happier, Jeff, right? You're my patient. I never saw you. And they go, you know, my teeth, but we know this as dads. If a personal trainer walked up to me and said, you know what, Paul, I'm going to make you look better on the beach. That would be, be that would be really good to 26-year-old Paul, not 44-year-old Paul. If someone right. said, I'm going to make it so that you're around for your daughter's wedding, that might be a little too dramatic. I'm only 44, right? But if they said, you know what, Paul, I'm going to make it so you feel less stiff, more energized, and you start to get back some of the strength you had. In your, that's the thing for me, right? So too often, we say to our patients, do you want to look better on the beach? And they don't even go to the beach. They or if you said go. to a 25-year-old, do you want to dance at your daughter's wedding? The guy might be like, I don't even have a wife. Right? No. So, yeah, so not even my thinking about point that. here is this EQ, this emotional intelligence thing, is what we need to infuse into our dental students because it's the name of the game every single patient interaction from a limited oral exam for a hundred bucks to a $70,000 like uh, transformative case. And I think the only way that you can meet people where they are is by creating a relationship. Nothing right. in this world works without relationship. When you think of it, we are such relational human beings. We crave connection. And if you just take the time to be present and listen and, and look at, okay, how can I support you getting where you want to be? And let's come up with a plan that works. Then yes, absolutely. You're meeting that individual where they are.